Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Am I ready, Roman? Welcome to the Readier Room, the only and longest-running Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast. Ours has on-the-set stories and behind-the-scenes lore told to you by the only people who are the keepers of that lore. My name is Mitchell Mells, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount Studios, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs. And we're here for a historic day with a historic episode. But before that, Brandon, how are you? doing wonderful i cannot tell you how free i feel after having watched this episode in just so many ways it's, uh, and it's, i'm really excited to get down to it it's a cathartic type of um therapy it truly is i want to say yes and i think perhaps the most therapeutic uh, moment of it all will be this this uh this roundup that we're doing after the fact after having watched it it's it's something I've been excited about for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Basically, since we started the uh, the, the show, I'm like, when are we going to get the skin of evil? Well, yeah, and it's like it's it's kind of like on the one hand you're excited to get to it, and on the other you're you're excited to leave it behind. Mm. You know, so it, it's almost like we've really gotten over a hump, um, or, or 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 maybe maybe descended into a valley that we can now climb out of. Right. See, to be honest, I thought I was surprised when it was this week because I had thought that Skin of Evil had to have been like season two or three or four, just because right. you know it felt like so long having to put up with that. Right, right, right. Um, but you know, when when you think about it, you know, we did what seven seasons or so, and um, you you forget about it. You forget how how long it actually was into this first season that that um that we get to this episode you know yes yes um, and i mean going into this when we started doing this um i expected skin of evil to be episode 10 11 12 something like that but uh I, no how, how it's, it's right near the end number. of the season yeah mm -hmm. yeah so um having gotten to this point is a milestone i think for for us now even yeah it's gonna yeah. be it's more monumentous than when we actually finish this season I think. right um, definitely we, our lives are divided into two periods which are the pre-skin of evil uh period and the post skin right. of evil period right yes absolutely so as much as we want to dive into this one um we do have to hold off just for a bit we have our weekly question of the week which we answer That's every right. week. And uh, this one comes from a fan named Joel in Louisiana. Let me read this. Um, it says, hey, Mitch, Brandon. He's missing an and there. Oh, um, hello. Ready, ready your fan here. I've been waiting for you to cover Skin of Evil to send this in. And while it's not much of a question, I think you'd like to know this. So Joel's talking here. He says... I worked at Microsoft back in the 1990s, and we were designing Windows XP. I saw Skin of Evil on a rerun one night, and the image of the Yar Memorial at the end of the episode was really striking. Alright, well, first of all, spoilers, but anyway. 
I just mm-hmm. knew I needed a landscape like that as the background wallpaper of the operating system. I browsed some stock photos and found just the one. So, if my fellow ensigns out there have ever used Windows XP, you have the next generation to thank for the iconic image that greeted you upon booting up. Thanks again for doing the show. So, oh. I never knew any of that. Did you know this? Right. No, I did not. I did not. Have you used and, Windows uh, XP before? I think I think we both used Windows XP before. Um, mm. I mean, we we know we know what he's talking about for sure. That's uh, that's great. Yeah, it's the the footprint, the cultural footprint of Star Trek: The Next Generation is is larger than it appears at first. It's um, yeah, it absolutely is. There's more hidden footprints under the surface around it. It ripples. Right. It's like a footprint yeah, yeah. inside of a lake. Right. Right. The yeah. The, the rippling effect. It's great. Um. So I think that's an extremely interesting story, but unfortunately, it's not a question. It's so, not a question. So I really this is the second time. Right. I, I'm just gonna have to block Joel from contacting us on our various accounts. I don't really mm-hmm. want our time wasted. Yeah. So embarrassing but if you at home have a question an actual question with a question mark and an answer that you're looking for then you can email us at the readier room at gmail.com it's capital t and two capital r's or you can dm us on twitter at the readier room i'm sorry at at the readier room and we'll probably answer your question there possibly possibly if it's good i mean if it's not, then don't even <laughs> fucking send it. <laughs> and don't send it if it's not a question. Right. I'm sick of this. See, I don't vet these things before we go live. So right. it's it's very right. frustrating to start with what looks like a promising question only to end with a, with a, with a flaccid statement. Mm-hmm. I, I guess we're going to have to get uh, get our producer to, to start looking through these for us. Yeah. Um, God Definitely. knows he doesn't do anything else for us, so. Just a useless, useless piece of oversized garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very oversized. Very oversized. Speaking of oversized garbage. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's quite the segue. Um, skin of evil. And skin of evil. I... Oh, God, how do I even, like, sum up my thoughts on this episode? Um, I think we can agree that there's a lot of this episode that just doesn't work. Can we agree that this is the worst episode yet? I don't think I can. Wow. So, if I were to look at, like, the, the, the plot, the main thrust of things, um, then I think I would agree. But the fact is that there's a lot of good direction, and the score of this episode is also notable. Well, yeah, the score is good. The score is but good. But that's, that's about all I can agree with. I thought that there was a lot of, like, there's a lot of, like, uh, handheld camera scenes. Like, it was just more visually interesting and well put together in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, which isn't to say it's like, oh, it's a good episode. You know, they, they held the camera. They worked so hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not nothing like that, but it... It was visually striking in a in a way that most episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation are not, and right. so, solely because of that, I have to give it more credit than something that was visually boring and also had a had a story basically on the same 
bad level like Naked Now. I guess that's fair. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can really properly put into words the way I feel about this episode, but I really think that I would watch Naked Now again before this one. Really? I just find it so... It's so... Um, so banal, so boring. I mean, Naked Now is at least funny bad, you know? Right. Yes, um, that's this, true. This is just kind of depressing bad, and, and the the good things that it does really just don't make up for how bad the script is. It is. Um, and there's some, like, really apparent structural flaws in, in how this episode was even approached. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think making giving rather giving armis the, the tar monster a voice You're right <laughs> was, was yes. kind of ridiculous yes and especially yeah. when he's basically written to have the the voice of a um of a petulant teenager right right which you know was of course intentional um of course we actually modeled Armis. I mean, I know you know this, but for the audience, we we modeled Armis on, um, you know, both in looks and personality on on Rick's son, actually. Rick Berman. Um, yeah. yeah, Rick Berman. Yeah, and because he he'd bring this kid on set, and you know, he was old enough to know better. He was like what eleven, twelve years old mm. at the time, um, and the little bastard was just constantly running around screaming about the dumbest stuff. You know, like you know, I want Happy Meal, um, just, a, and, just and that a kind of stuff. Spoiled kid. Spoiled kid, just being a complete menace. And um, the, the the writers thought with Armis they'd be able to strike a chord with Rick somehow, um, get him to kind of just you know become aware of um, you know what was going on on set. You know, it, it was it was getting in the way of our jobs. Mm-hmm. We, we you know we we couldn't do our jobs. Um, but Rick actually kind of ended up connecting with Armis and um, feeling sorry for it by the end of the episode. He was he was um he thought he thought this episode had you know. Just, some kind of death to it that really wasn't there. Right. He he thought it was a tragic tale of this this right, misunderstood right. creature. Right, right. Which um it's objectively not. Uh, you know, listening to listening to the dialogue, especially the way it was delivered by um you know. Yeah, I don't I don't know who did the the voice acting of Armis. I, I know that the person doing the voice and the person like in the suit were were different, um. But the voice, were they? Act, yeah. Why did I think it was the same? I like, I'm not sure. I guess it. I guess it makes sense that it wouldn't be the same. I mean, now that I actually think about it, but right. I mean, because think you go, you want to record dialogue from underneath that 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 whole getup, um, right? But before we get into the the physical acting of it, like who, like what, what was up with with Armis's voice? Because it was it also was not a good choice. It was, it was just bad. Um, I, yeah, the, like the, the heavy effects that are processed into it are distracting, but also not heavy enough where you can still tell it's just a guy like doing a menacing voice. Like, right, right. Yeah, and, um, not good. I'm not sure. I don't remember if the direction was that he was supposed to sound kind of like a whiny, um, teenager, like you said before, but that is exactly what it comes off as. Um, hmm. uh, and, and you, you get, there's just no complexity to this this character at all, right? Which is weird uh, because the the thrust of his presence is is uh, supposed to be like his emotional struggle, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you would think that there would be more depth written into that, 
when the whole right. point is just not not him being a a menacing monster man with powers, but him um, his psyche. Right, and I, I think just the fact that he is a tar monster um, really doesn't do him any favors. Rarely he's, does he's it. a faceless kind of yeah yeah it's it's a it's a terrible design mm. uh, if you can even call it that. See, I I like the when it's introduced. I thought that was kind of intriguing, where there's like this puddle, and it's it's you know seemingly sentient and it's following them around and mm-hmm. acting mm-hmm. as this this barrier. Like I thought that was kind of cool, but once he rises out of it, it's uh not so not so cool, not so awesome. Yeah, yeah, that 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 goes south very quickly. It does, and. It's the less whenever Armus isn't doing that, it's a lot more appealing. Like when it when it use when it covers the the shuttle, and it's just interfacing mm-hmm. with Troy, um, and like trying trying to trying to psychologically torment her, but really just being terrible at it. Um, that was kind of cool. Right. There was also when it like pulls Riker into it, and then Riker seemingly doesn't exist in physical space anymore. It's it's like bending reality or physics in that way. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes I'm just gonna take the form of a big goopy man. What are you gonna do about it? <laughs> right. <clears throat> I, 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 let's let's talk about that real quick. The fact that this thing. First, first of all, what is this story about? This is a story about bullying, and and how mm-hmm. it solves all of our problems. Mm-hmm. It's like we yeah, need... and I, I, it's it's funny we got two PSA episodes in a row. I guess we did, Jesus. But in this case, it's um, like oh yeah, that emotionally vulnerable person with the dark past, bully them to achieve your goals. Right, right. Um... Picard beams down like I'm gonna bully this thing. And then right. this guy tries to fight back, and he's got Troy captured, and Troy's just like one-upping him every step of the way. It's like he tries to say something. She's like, "You're just saying that to make me feel bad," and he's like, "No, right, no." <laughs> yeah, and I think that's kind of um, that. That really delves into what makes this character not work at all, and what makes this conflict not work at all is that um, it, it's it's it really is a pathetic creature, right? Um, and uh, Yar's death, spoiler, I guess, which we haven't gotten into. Uh, Yar's death does not feel earned at all. No. To me. It's the kind of um, attack that you would see like in any episode. It doesn't have the gravitas right. of, of something right. lethal. Right. And that the way to to write this character is to make it more um competent in areas beyond just like you know physical attacks mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like give it um an actual intelligence and emotional intelligence that when picard goes to um i guess verbally spar with it it's like actually uh, two people on the same level cuz picard's right, also like right. a really competent guy Rather than mm. just, like I said, what is bullying, where you, there's somebody so much less uh, stable than you are, and all you're really doing is just tormenting them. Right. 
So yeah, this could have been good. But anyway, mm-hmm. let's talk about Yar. Like you said, it's it's unearned. Um, Yar's Yar just gets like flung. Nothing hits her. She just like gets yeah. Thrown off she gets thrown. I'm um, in the same way that Data threw her. Um, nice call. You know, back. a couple episodes ago. Nice call. Yeah. Back. Thank you, thank you. But it, you know, it is the with the exact same amount of force. Right. Um, and there's no, you know, um, there's no like fall. In fact, the the fall from Data's throw was was uh, right larger. Yeah, there's no fall. There's no lacerations. No wounds. Mm. Well, no, there is um, like a, a a Gorbachev birthmark on her cheek afterwards. Oh, is there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um so that's they're like, Oh my god, Yar's injured, beam her up, get us mm-hmm. out of here. And um then it's like this this ER scene. This is where they brought in the handheld camera and they're like getting in close. Right. Like, right, like, that's true. Around. And mm-hmm. um they're like, Oh, you know we gotta save her. give her all give her ten cc's of electricity. Right. And it's and then, you don't really have the sense from the scene before it that this is like an urgent matter. No, no, not at all. Not we're not worried at all. I mean, we've seen people get brought back to life um, from worse. Right. And uh, Crusher is like, oh, I'm not going to do that this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. So it's like I understand the idea that that you would want you would want a death. To, like you would want this particular death to have no like real fanfare, right? Mm. I, I get that idea, but um, it almost feels like the rug was pulled out from underneath us in in the way it was portrayed. In that, um, you know, it, it was unexpected, but also kind of flaccid in the end. Yeah. Where, you know, the characters just kind of throw their arms up and say, "Well, she's dead." Yes. And um, you know, that's. There's not a lot dealing with the emotional fallout of this, mm-hmm. which right. was another direction they could have taken the episode instead. Minimize the importance of Armis, and rather focus on the the crew in light of that's right, yeah. Day. And you know what? That actually probably would have been much better, right? But you know, <laughs> because that's that, that is a much more human problem. That would have had to you would have had to write the the characters to be emotionally vulnerable and have depth and. Yeah, that's right, not going right. to happen. But right on the subject of the the seemingly inconsequence of of the proceedings, it's like that was kind of the point of it. I think because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, I know that the the amount of gravity given to it in the episode and the way it was hyped up before yeah. it aired are right. At, complete it was big yeah spectrum yeah like yeah yeah we we had a whole thing going on right yep yep all the bumpers for like the week before leading up to it all the advertisements were like very upfront someone will die and it Mm -hmm. was dramatic like cutting between the the shots different characters on the show it's like who's it gonna be and it was the talk of the town and like right you know we wanted to put some red herrings in there so we um had like in one of the adverts we put very subtly in the background, like backwards Klingon talk. And if you deciphered that code, you'd be like, Oh my God, is a wharf. Um, in another one, we had like heavy shades of red, white, and blue, which as we all know, are the colors of the French flag. So like, Oh my God, is Picard right. going to die? Picard. Right. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, would have been 
it, it, that that could have happened. I mean, I mean, Patrick Stewart was already a a, a pretty big name for you know being in Star Trek. So mm-hmm. who's who's to say he wouldn't you know say screw it and just just leave in the first season? But all of that was like we wanted. We didn't put any hints in for Yar that she was going to be the one killed. It was like supposed to be a subversion in that sense, right? Um, and it was it worked almost too well because. When you have such a nothing character like Yar, um, nobody's going to think that, okay, well, if Yar dies, they're going to call it some event and they're going to hype it up because you really, who cares? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. But um, I think that ended up working against us in the... It, it, it kind of did. And, you know, you get you get a scene like like at the beginning of the episode where she's she, she has this interaction with Worf um, that is just completely out of left field because it's nothing that ever would have been written for her character before that. Um, it, it was only written for her character because she's about to die. Right. Uh, and if, if she actually did interact with, with these, these other characters in that way for the first 10, 12 episodes, uh, she probably would have been, um, a lot more watchable, you know? Yeah. I was hoping that more human yar elements would have been explored. They introduced right. like a relationship with Data, which is now officially done. It's certainly over, yes. But it's now it's not even mentioned in this episode. No, which I thought was I thought that was odd. Yeah, um, I was I was hoping for that during the the, mm-hmm. the last scene. Um, but no, I guess it was a sleep that under the rug kind of thing. Right, right, yeah, and I yeah, it's really ultimately I I think they just went too far in one direction and that was um you know placed no emotional importance on this event at all you know which and is oddly sterile and clinical but it's it's yeah it's 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 clinical in a way that really star trek should never be again i i understand the the desire to to not hype it up so much in the episode itself but i mean you know there's a lot of push and pull uh among the writers about how to actually go about this scene right mm. like and Gene wanted it to be very realistic, um, and others, others thought you know in the same way we're discussing now, it'd be kind of a disservice to not give her some kind of send off, right? Right. And that's how we get the scene at the end, right? What um, a scene where it she, was. it's 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 the yeah, it's definitely definitely a a, a peculiar scene. Um, but you know, initially the episode was written such that. Basically, Yara would get swept off her feet and crushed her, would run over, holding her arms. And then um, the crew would beam down to the planet one by one, right? Huh. And she would she would lay there saying her goodbyes um, for like a good five, ten minutes. Um, you know, just just kind of, you, you know, we, we'd have the score kind of swell and um, make it a, a whole thing. And you, A true Emmy nomination, nominated scene. It would have been. And I'm actually surprised you didn't keep it. I mean, we even had the Klingon death scream in there. Oh, my God. It would have... Um, it would have... Probably, it would have elevated not only this episode but the show in that season certainly absolutely yeah it, it, you know it um it would have been great but no we we did end up with um with literally this this whole emotional um cr- crux of the episode i guess uh being shoehorned into the last 5 minutes i don't even of the episode th- i don't even think the ending is all that emotional to be honest. Right. So right. the way that it's written is that Yar has recorded a not a will, but like a 
I don't even know how to describe it, like a farewell message, I guess, to be played holographically. And she uses that message to praise every other member of the crew. So, like, (laughs) oh, Riker, you always believed in me. Your leadership is so strong. You play the trombone. Whatever. Um, And she says this for every other member of the cast. But when you're supposedly emotionally primed to you know mourn the loss of yar the way to capitalize on that emotion is not to spend five minutes talking about every character that isn't (laughs) tasha yar (laughs) so that was that was incredibly uh, an incredibly strange decision to me to, to go with that here's something do you ever did you notice that the holograph of yar had really bad posture no it's i didn't was i didn't write this in my notes and i didn't really think about it while i was watching it but i'm imagining that scene in my head now and i'm like wow she did she just kind of like bent over it's weird she was like hunched over i guess i i guess i didn't notice that yeah i was i was too busy crying i think i couldn't blame you um it's worth the rewatch just to um just to check it out um i I did have a few issues with that scene though that i'd like to go over is one of them the data conversation afterwards yes well no 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 not afterwards i'll uh let let me let me go in order um she addresses wesley okay right which i don't think needs much explanation no Uh, i'm not sure why wesley is allowed to be there they did share the drug scene, which they did. You know, that was probably just like preparation for this, right? Considering we filmed that, we filmed that after this, so mm-hmm. yeah, we were able to fill in that blank. Um, yeah, I, I still don't know why Wesley is allowed to participate in these kinds of things, as if he's um, any more special than the the subordinates that Yar had. You know, um, who would probably like to be able to mourn her death because they work with her every day. Um, she says to Troy um, something like, I realized I could be feminine without losing anything, um, which for a character played by Denise is just wrong. Yeah, that's just um, actually incorrect. I remember when we were doing, the, you know, recording that, filming that. Um, right. A number of people just like had the gag reflex. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lots of uh lots of snickers going around yeah a lot of milky ways um, too yeah 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 you call you three musketeers mm-hmm. the whole nine yards really the whole nine yards <laughs> <laughs> um and then she says to data you see things with the wonder of a child which for someone who has a sexual relationship with Data, I find somewhat concerning. <laughs> that is that is um, that is off, and it's also a bit insulting to the to the autistic demographic. It certainly is. Yes, you're right about that. But even in universe, it's it's concerning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, those are my issues with that scene. Did you did you want to discuss the scene with Data? Yeah. So. At the end, after the funeral, Data's like, Captain, I, I don't get the meaning of this ritual. And right. Picard's like, Data, I'm sick of answering these fucking questions. 
<laughs> Go read a fucking book. No, there's like this whole thing about you know, oh, humans are sentimental, and we want to remember. Or I don't even remember what the hell they said, but um, Picard explaining to the audience why funerals exist, mm-hmm. and it's it's probably the most blatant. Oh, we have ninety seconds left to fill that I've ever seen in in production. You think so? I do think so, because I don't think that there's anything gained for anybody's characterization or for the theme of the episode or for anything to just have one character explain to another why funeral services exist. I guess that's true in that um, it's pretty unambiguous even to an android who's only been alive for two years. You know, what a funeral is for. I'm sure he's heard of them um, heard of them before. Although I guess maybe he hasn't participated in one to such a degree that he would, as a human, feel um, emotionally attached to the to the person who died. But here's the thing: uh, so you can't you can't play both sides of the fence with Data. You can't have him have access to all of Starfleet records and you know reading Shakespeare and you know absorbing all this culture, and then also have him not understand the meaning of a funeral. Well, I, I think I think it's more more of an emotional thing, isn't it? I mean, you can't you can't like research emotions, you know. You I mean, you but, can, but not your own personal ones. You can you can never be prepared for someone dying. But here's know? the thing: the question isn't like, oh, why are why is everybody crying now that Yar is gone? The question is like, what is the meaning of this ritual that everybody's doing? What what does he say? What he says like what like like that the funeral seemed like it was more for everyone else than for her. Uh, or I don't remember the quote. Or did he say that he was more concerned about himself than for her? Because the latter, it makes sense to me why they would include that, and I think it's I, I think it's appropriate at least. If that's uh, but I, the, I sadly if, can't remember. If that's the case, um, I can agree with you. Um, here's here's a readier room first. I'm, I'm gonna just open the episode and go fucking find what he said because this is really well. Why don't really no, why, why don't we just get the script up? Just get the script. Hold on. You still have the script? Alright, I pulled it out of my desk here. Okay. Um, flipping through, flipping through. Um, sir, the purpose of this gathering confuses me. Oh, how so? <laughs> My thoughts are not for Tasha, but for myself. I keep thinking how empty it will feel without her presence. Did I miss the point? No, you didn't, Data. Got it. Yeah, see? Uh, Alright, alright. Um, that's that's a little better it's, than, it's than appropriate. my recollection of it. I'm glad you just remembered it wrong. <laughs> well, to be fair, I remembered Data's question correctly. But as a, okay. the rest of the converse, I think I heard that and I just rolled my eyes and tuned out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's got it's got can, big like mm-hmm. data doesn't understand anything vibes. Yeah, to it. no, it, it, it does. It does have that energy to it, which usually I'm I'm very much against. But I think when he is grappling with an emotional issue, I'm much more lenient about it because. I mean, he's emotionally retarded. You know, right. he's he's a two-year-old autistic android. Um, and, you know, the audience also needs that surrogate to be able to understand things as well. And they need someone to explain um, 
explain emotions to them because you know what kind of people watch Star Trek. Exactly. No, that's um, a good point. And you know, when when you think about it, it's it's a really good thing that uh, that that Denise and Marina got switched up in the beginning because uh, <laughs> imagine if we had to kill Troy. Imagine. I mean, we, the, the we thought has have, crossed uh... my mind a lot. If I'm being honest, <laughs> 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 that, that, it it would have been a disaster. Mm, mm. But then you know, we also wouldn't have to be treated to things like what we got in this episode where. She's uh, speaking to this pile of goo, um, telling him, I guess, you know, very, very obviously what his emotions are, uh, as if as if we couldn't really grasp the theme of the episode. <laughs> the, the, the monster's like, I am the skin of evil that they shedded. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Troy's like, you're evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Imagine if the... Um... The Troy Worf Riker love triangle from later on was instead the the Yar Worf Riker love triangle. Oh, you're gonna make me throw up. Yes, that's yes, gross. Before we uh, before we get out of the the final scene, there is like an in an inaccuracy that um bothers a lot of people that I feel like we should explain. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. How could we forget? I just don't want to be asked about this ever again. Right. So I just want to get it out there. Um, I know that Doctor Crusher's wearing a green tunic in the funeral rather than a blue one. I know. We used a blue screen. You can't wear mm -hmm. a blue costume on a blue screen. It's not gonna yes. work. Um. We wanted to have Dr. Crusher wearing black funeral, but there was a lot of concern among the higher-ups that people wouldn't recognize the character if they weren't wearing the, you know, the Starfleet uniform and mm -hmm. it's been a similar color to usual. You know, which and that's, you know, that's part of the reason why the green confused mm -hmm. people. Right. right? The, you know, people were getting to the scene and thought it was a whole different character. Who's this? Why are they at Yara's yeah. funeral? Right. So, please stop asking... Please stop asking. <laughs> How many question of the weeks did we get for that? A ton. A ton. I mean, I had to sort through a lot of, you know, why did you introduce a new character at the end of Skin of Evil? <laughs> <laughs> and then never use her again. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, the fans. The fans. They, uh, you know, it's like. It's like when you have a special needs child and it's like they're your child and you love them, but you always just think about abandoning them at a gas station somewhere. Yeah. Like Sometimes what, you what wonder like what would happen yeah. Yeah, if, or if you, if you murdered them right. and, and who would really come looking, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I understand your frustration there, Mitch. But, you know, we're still here. We're still being good parents, putting on the show. Yep. Yep. Just for you. This is all a service. Just for you, for you. and for you. Mm-hmm. And for you. And for you. Um, I did actually have in my notes, um, not that this is surprising, but I, I did note, and I'm just realizing this, that it does feel like an, an anti-bullying PSA, the whole episode. No, um, it's, it's a pro-bullying PSA. No, an anti-bullying PSA. They because solve if, if... The, the day by bullying. No, 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 no. If... Um, if Armis was not bullied to begin with, he wouldn't have killed Yar. Okay, but 
they save Troy by directly by bullying Armis. Oh no, because you know what it is. It's it's the bullied becomes the bully. He's he's lashing out against people by bullying them. All he wants is a reaction from them. He wants to see them suffer. Hmm. So what Picard does is he doesn't give that to him. No, but and that's what you're supposed to do with the bully. Yes, but then Picard turns it around as like a psychic attack. Um, or he's well, like, yeah, they left I, I you guess behind. That's true. They don't want yeah. you. And yeah. then Armus is like, raw, raw, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess, I guess he does take it a little too far. Yeah. So uh, that's what I mean when it's when it's pro bullying because they're like, oh, whenever he's got an emotional reaction, the the frequency of his force field dips, whatever. Um, right. Right. So right. they're like, oh, we need to produce a strong emotional reaction. So Picard goes down there by himself and just lays into him just emotionally about all the shit with Armis and mm-hmm. Armis can't handle it and then they just beam then they beam both of those guys out of there leaving Armis alone forever and then bomb <laughs> the planet from orbit <laughs> glass him that was such a wild shot to see the the enterprise just firing upon a planet from again from orbit <laughs> did they bomb it are you serious yeah they're like okay bomb the shuttle so that armis can never escape that's amazing i I totally forgot about that i thought they just left and declared it like a an off-limits planet well they did do that too uh, go back and watch that scene because it's hilarious the visual of the card looking out the observation window and just seeing like a i don't know photon torpedo or something just jettison towards the planet and then like a small right. boom Right, and, you know, after having uh, just just beamed aboard, having bullied a petulant teenager, black goo monster. Yeah, in into complete submission. Yes, yeah, it, it it does feel like a little bit much, but I don't think that was the intention. In fact, it couldn't have been the intention. Well, to me, like when everybody in this episode exists, I guess Yar, except Yar, exists above Armis, where like at no step of the way is anybody even remotely close to giving in to, to Armis. Like everybody right. has this weird precognitions about what Armis is trying to do. <laughs> yes. Where they, they it's true. Every time he does something, like, no, you just want me to say this. So then I will get angry or I will get frustrated. Right. And he's like, all right. right, data shoot this person. Data's like, well, I am not controlling myself. So you'd be the one that shoots them. Not me. They do make a lot of assumptions for an alien that, you know, has, has no similarities with humans whatsoever, yes. um, at least outwardly. Right. So how, how would you possibly know that uh, it, it derives the same uh, um, emotional satisfaction from bullying uh, as, as humans do, right? Yeah. And uh, they, they, they really do catch on a little too quickly. You are right about that. <laughs> and, it's... and I think that's part of what makes it feel so unnatural. Mm. And it's funny in a way because um, Armis, in turn, Armis's reaction to that is is very overtly like oh no they found me out all right i'll try something else like right 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 he's completely alongside of them the the two operate Mm -hmm. in parallel with a complete understanding of one another which yes like you said is strange for such an alien uh species and not only that but you know when 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 the character's motivations are solved 10 minutes into the episode and then it just becomes a back and forth of no you, no you, you know, uh, which, you know, there, there's really no tension left. Right. It's the whole thing with like, oh, let's bring Jordy down to to look at the thing. 
is right. is useless because Worf on the ship is the one who identifies the frequency thing. And also, yes. it follows the same trajectory of every other scene. It's like, all right, Armas bullies some people. They don't give in. They beam back to the ship. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess the only thing I can say is that having killed Yar, when it does absorb Frakes, that, that yes. is Riker, it, 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 <laughs> it is a little bit tense yeah, in that, that way. That is cool. Um, the... When, you know, Frakes is being pulled by this invisible force and um, Armis gives the directives, like, oh, you can't help him. If you help him, I'm gonna, just going to fucking kill him. And mm. he just vanishes in, in the tar is is good. And the stakes are higher with a character already established as being dead. Right, right. Yeah, so someone's dead, someone's held captive, possibly dead. Right. You know, who knew? Who knew if they were going to kill more than one? Right. Which would have been, yeah. that would have been wild. Riker and Yardar. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, Frakes himself almost died in there, um, if you recall. I do. Because he wouldn't, um, he wouldn't let his stuntman do the, do the goo scene. Too much pride. So, yeah, he, he, he said something about, like, only women and LeVar need them. Mm. Stuntman, that is, so. Um, Which was oddly aggressive, because LeVar never did a stunt up to this point. No, no, um. And I'm not sure he ever did. No. So, um, yeah. So, so Frakes came in, um, having eaten his two onion bagels for the day, waltzed up to the black goo, um, which I, I, it was made of some mixture of gel and printer ink or something like that. You, you didn't want to um, touch it. He, well, you know, you did not. And, and he just he just waltzes right into it, just covers himself in it, and um, the the whole thing with that is the stuntman was supposed to be equipped with kind of like a protective like cover. You know, so he wasn't in contact with with the goo that much. Um, but but Frakes went in basically naked. Um, ended up swallowing a bunch of the stuff, and we had to rush him to the hospital to get his stomach pumped. Well, there's that uh, scene where like delayed his face is is coming out of it and then sinks back mm -hmm, in. Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah. yep. Um, one hundred percent real. Yeah, Frakes that... just took a breath at the wrong time and yep. Talk about going down the wrong pipe. But it it did uh, it did end up having a, a really cool effect in the episode, hmm. you know. It's an, it's a memorable shot, and you know you want to thank Frakes for his service. Definitely, definitely. Him, um, him and George really got along well um, during those scenes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They did, yeah, and that's something we haven't talked about yet. Right. Yeah, we alluded to this earlier that the the voice actor and the physical actor for Armis were, um, right, not the same person. And right, the the Ar the person in the Armis costume was was actually Star Trek the original series alum George Takei. Mm -hmm. Um, Takai, am I saying that right? Yeah, no, it's Takei. Takei, okay. Um, I call him Takei at least. I call him George. But oh well, look at you. Look at me. <laughs> he calls me, "Hey you." <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, you know, we're always look. We were always looking for opportunities to have like bridge these bridges between the original series and Next Generation. We had Bones on the first episode, if you remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and we're like, George, come back. Um, do a cameo. Do a role. Anything you want to do, it's fine. 
And I don't know if it was Rick or Gene or someone, someone of the higher ups, like, we don't really want to have an Asian on the screen. So they, right. they said, because like, if you look right. at the cast, it's the main cast, it's pretty diverse, but there's no, you know, no, no ori- Oriental people. Um, right. And that is intentional. Right. Right. So there was still some lingering discomfort from that. And, you know, we're like, George, we want you to come back, but are you okay with being in costume? And George was like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll wear like a Klingon prosthetic, but you know, whatever you want me to do. <laughs> and yep. he, he was a little disappointed when we showed him the costume, but he's a professional. He did it. And, uh, you know, he gave a great performance as, um, as Armas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really, really stand up guy. And especially with what he had to go through. So, I mean, the suit, um, as, as you'll recall, was made up of individual pieces that were glued together with the shoe glue. Right. Right. And over the course of filming, um, as, as George had to, um, just kind of just sit there in, in that, that weird, disgusting printer ink goo, um, it, it was actually melting the glue off of the suit and it would just keep falling apart and it, it would get into the suit and on his face and just everywhere. Um, thankfully he was, you know, a little more intelligent than Frakes. Hmm. Um, when confronted with with this but uh yeah uh really had to put up with a lot of a lot of shit i mean i think george at this point would just do anything anything for trek yeah yeah absolutely and you know like is 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 there anything more important when when judging someone's character than what they would do for trek there isn't it's um it's moments like that that define us as people Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. actors as professionals as trek men some someday, um, for you audience, someone is going to call on you to be the black goo monster, um, and whether or not you take it, that that really is going to tell everyone what kind of person you are. Yeah, don't look a gift goo monster in the mouth. Absolutely. So. So what else? I, I think that's about it, isn't it? I believe so. Let me flip through my notes here one more time. Um. Oh, <laughs> there was one exchange that I found pretty funny. Mm-hmm. This is not at all important or relevant, but somebody says she's dead, followed by, bring her to sickbay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that is great. And... You, you you don't really catch how ridiculous that is um, unless you, unless you really think about it, you know. It's a marvelous line. Uh, that's pretty funny. Um, what do I have in my notes here? I I had a question. Um, who is Lynch in engineering? Yeah, that was weird. I know we've had this ongoing uh, main engineer battle, head engineer battle, you know, yeah. with um, Cardigan and uh, yeah whoever the hell the other billy people. billy that's it now we got yeah. lynch um it was a weird name drop for an appropriately weird amount of dialogue and it was never touched on again oh yeah here's another thing they mentioned the the ratio of matter to antimatter being 25 to 1 what so lynch when he's prepping the engines, he's like, all right, we got our okay. matter-antimatter ratio is 25 to 1. And if you remember, okay. 
during Wesley Crusher's. Oh my God, you're right. Yes. <laughs> it's supposed to be one to one. Right. That is hilarious. So, how did you remember that? I don't know, but I know I was watching it, and I and I thought, <laughs> wait a second, that's not true. I went to Starfleet Academy. I know this. What the hell? I cannot believe that they. I cannot believe this was contradicted over the like within four or five episodes. There's only so many, so much space jargon that the writers will know. Or it's like, all right, right. We're talking about the engines, uh, matter, antimatter. Right, right. But you know, as such, it makes it a lot easier to pick up on as as, as you're watching it. Exactly. Oh man. Another um, quick hit. I thought this episode had an above average number of shots that were not in focus. It definitely did. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. It, particularly in the beginning, there's like a shot reverse shot where Yar is talking to Riker, maybe Worf. Um, and every time it cuts to Yar, she's just not in focus at all. Uh huh. And you can see that within oh, like the first 90 that. seconds of the episode. That is with Worf, mm. I believe. Yeah. Yeah, because they're talking about like the fighting competition. Yeah, 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 exactly. She's like, oh, you bet on me? And he's like, I am right. Klingon. That's all he ever says. <laughs> <laughs> A Klingon warrior. Um, I had a note. When when they first land on the planet and um, they walk up to Armis as, as he is kind of just sprawled out on the ground, um, I found it really funny how they were outwitted by a, by a puddle. Like the crew is just outwitted by a small puddle. Um, they try to go around it, and it won't let them go around. Um, <laughs> they try going around the, it again, and they can't. The, the, yeah, the the act of watching them try to navigate um, going around a puddle, I thought, was uh, hilarious and somewhat inappropriate. I I thought the the first act of this episode before the the cut to the title sequence was mm -hmm. oddly compelling, and I yeah. can't, can't really explain why. But before, like, it got into the Armist stuff, I was, I, the tone of it, I was pretty right. into. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like, one-fifth of the, the episode is pretty good. Probably not even, right? Um, I think that's yeah, a higher I, hit rate than The Naked Now. Maybe, maybe. I, I really think this episode is Trek at its worst. Mm. Well, there's hey, certainly a know, lot to hate about it. Yeah. It's it's just it's so horrible and I'm so glad it's it's over. The whole Armist thing does feel like a, a hokey original series, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it absolutely does. Like that lizard monster that Kirk fights. Right, right. Of course, the classic. The the only episode I've ever seen. Yeah, ask me what what do I know about the original series? I know the the silly <laughs> Spock hand thing, and I know uh, the lizard yep, monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 fair. I mean, it, it does have that feeling, and you know, we we've had probably four or five episodes like that so far, and I guess it only really starts to kind of divert from that in season two, really, right? Yeah, Here's... you don't you don't tend to get any of anything like that. Here's a question: How, how do you feel mm. about the title Star Trek? Um, its meaning is so lost on me now, um, knowing what Star Trek has been for all my life, mm. that it's like Star Wars, you know, like Star Wars, uh, as a phrase is kind of like its own word, independent of the meaning of star in war, you know? Right. And that's true for, for Star Trek, but yeah, 
Um, as a title, back when the original series was airing, and you see this, and you're like, okay, A Trip Into the Stars. How do you feel about that as a title? How do I feel about that as a title? I mean, better than Lost in Space. Is it, though? I feel like Lost yeah. in Space is more descriptive. Well, I mean... If if the crew of the Enterprise were lost in space, that means they'd have no agency. I mean, I guess that's really just the plot of Voyager, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. Voyager is lost in space. Maybe they should have called it that. Wouldn't that be wild? Yeah. Just drop Star Trek. Not Star Trek lost in space, just lost in space. <laughs> just lost in space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been something. I think... I don't like Star Trek particularly as a title. Okay. Um, I think it could have been a bit more dynamic. Like, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a titler. Oh, oh, you're just pointing out the issue and offering no solutions. Exactly, exactly. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, all right, let's let's think of an alternative title for TNG. Well, we we need people like you, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, yeah, we can we can think of Star Tours. Star Tours. That's that's okay. Um, I like the I like the Picard Six. Or however many main crew members there are, mm-hmm. that's that, mm-hmm. that's 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 good. Um, what about space japes? Space japes. Yeah, space japes. Space japes. That's, I don't know. It feels like a little like jivey, you know. All right, all right. I, I feel that. I feel that. Um, what about um. So the Enterprise is about like science and 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 exploration. Yeah. So what about um, Star Trek Discovery? That's pretty good. Mm. That's pretty good. Um, damn, how did no one think of that? I like it. I like it. Or you know what? Since Picard is the main character, how about Star Trek Picard? That is pretty good. It lets right? us know who the captain is, who who to focus yeah. on, and. Um, who the most important person in the room is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, not to be confused with the casting of the show, which was Star Trek Pick Yar. What? <laughs> uh, so, what's your question of the week? No. Uh, so, what did you think of Skin of Evil overall? You had some... Um... Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, th- I think I think I already kind of summarized it. I, I think it's the worst um, Star Trek can possibly get, uh, at least as far as TNG goes. I'm a little more lenient on it for some of the technical elements, but I do think it's in the bottom percentile of, mm-hmm. of episodes. And put that's putting aside the the implications of killing off the main character. Mm-hmm. With that also being fumbled, I guess that might give it some additional uh, flaws that drop it to the bottom. Yeah, and I, I think it does do that for me. I think the killing of the main character along with just how bad it is uh, re- really sours it for me. Yeah. Yeah. The only takeaway, the, po- the only positive takeaway from this episode is Frakes covered in printer ink. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and the fact that the main character that was killed was played by Denise. That's uh, true. That's you true. know we shouldn't we shouldn't look a gift horse in the mouth right um, i'm not trying to say that i you know wanted denise to be there or anything like that you know i just thought as a narrative it would have it could have been handled better it was just a bit upsetting 
Like we we told um Gene all season, kill off Denise, kill off Denise, mm-hmm. kill off Denise. Mm-hmm. And he ended up killing off Yar, which was fine, but Right, right. Yeah. I you know, at the time, I mean he was already kind of at the end of his, his life really and it was um he he would get the the, the cast mixed up like the, their names and and the actors' names and yeah. the you know the characters' names, um so you you, you they were really interchangeable to him. Mm-hmm. But really, and, this was an out of sight, out of mind thing. So if mm-hmm. he if he mixed it up, it wasn't the biggest deal this time. Right. But still, you know, we would would have been nice. I digress. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, I guess that's uh, I guess that's it. Um, I I don't really have a question for you this week, unfortunately, um, only because I was trying to twist this little factoid into a question, but I don't think it would have worked well as one. Okay. Um, well, I'll, I'm down just I, for some trivia. Yeah, uh, I just thought it was hilarious that um, in in the next episode um, of of Star Trek: The Next Generation, um, what's it called? We'll, we'll always have Paris or something like that. Yeah. Um, you can actually see uh, Denise's arm in it. Really? Yeah. And I don't remember which shot that is, so be on the lookout for it. Why didn't I know this? All right, I am. That's that's like a great thing to leave off on, because when I watch that episode for next week, yeah, I'm not going to be able to focus on anything, but... <laughs> <laughs> well... Let's. How about we both, with that in mind, we both try to find it, and we'll see who can do it. Okay, it's a competition. You want to bet something on it? Um, I mean, what is there to bet? Um, Tibet's a country in Asia, but yeah, yeah. If if you wanted to bet something, then I I'm out of ideas. Uh, we we can we can discuss it off air. All right, all right. We'll come back with it with an appropriately, um high stakes affair and right. uh, if neither of us find the arm then that'll be embarrassing mm-hmm. double suicide du- i think double suicide not even a murder suicide just a just a double suicide yeah all right so that'll do it for this week then i guess um come back next time for some yar arms yarm actions and uh some paris but until then, everybody, please stay ready here. The troublesome little man child. Consider that in the history of many worlds, there have always been disposable creatures. Beginning, 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 beginning.